0: It's the next level. Viewer discretion advised.
1: I think I'm going to create my own comic book character. I'm going to call him Rant Man. Because, honestly, I think it would be kind of funny to read a comic book weekly about fans going nuts over who has been cast as the new Batman. So yes, I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, probably heard the rumor from Variety Magazine this past week that possibly, possibly, Robert Pattinson, a.k.a. Edward Cullen from the Twilight films, might be the new Batman. Well, he's one of the frontrunners. But nothing's been confirmed yet. But for some reason, we're all upset about this. Myself personally... I'm not upset about it. I mean, isn't the point of Batman that anybody can be Batman? Isn't that what we all love about Batman? Then why is it that whenever someone is cast as Batman, or rumored to be cast as Batman, we bitch, whine, and moan about it? I don't understand it. Okay, yes. So Robert Pattinson was Edward Cullen in the Twilight films. He was a sparkling vampire. if you can. <laughs> to be quite honest, I don't even know that I classify him as a vampire. I mean, Twilight alone was meant for tween girls. It wasn't meant for horror fans. It was completely directed at a female audience that was, you know, in their teens or early 20s. And, I mean, Robert Pattinson had a chance to play an iconic role. Whether we like Twilight or not, it's still iconic because people talk about it all the time. And Variety Magazine releases this rumor that he was confirmed as the Batman. No, he wasn't confirmed as the Batman. Warner Brothers have even already said. There is no deal yet. But my god, the fucking internet blew the fuck up over this shit. And it makes me laugh, because it reminds me of Michael Keaton. It reminds me of Ben Affleck. I wasn't alive back in the 60s, but I almost wonder, was Adam West, like, you know, did people blow up over him being Batman? If memory serves correctly, I don't think George Clooney went through this much hell, and yet he's the Batman we mock the most. I I don't know, I, I just... It baffles my mind. I don't get it. I don't... We the, the man hasn't even set foot in a studio yet to record his first parts as Batman or Bruce Wayne or possibly, hey, did anyone ever consider this? Maybe he's not a Bruce Wayne Batman. Matt Reeves said he was going to do a younger Batman. He never said he was doing a Bruce Wayne Batman. Maybe he's going to be Terry McGinnis. Maybe we're getting the Batman Beyond We Always Wanted. I know we probably won't, but hey, it's a thought. Um, nothing's been confirmed, but yet we blow up over this shit. It, it, every week, it seems like I'm trashing on social media and I'm trashing on the internet. And I probably shouldn't because, I mean, how else would you know about my podcast if it wasn't for social media? I don't know, I hope someone's warned Robert Pattinson that if he uh, signs on the dotted line, he's going to go through years of hell over this shit until he proves that he can actually play Batman. Which, like I said, I thought the point to Batman was that anyone can be Batman. So why can't Robert Pattinson be Batman? I know, I know, I know. He was Edward Cullen. But, I mean, it's not the only role the man has acted in. I think he has something like 30... I want to say it's like 37 or 38 acting credits to his name. And you never hear anyone bitch about any of the other roles he's played. I mean, he was even... What? Harry Potter. He was even in that. I don't remember anyone bitching about him playing in Harry Potter. And I know there's been other roles. I just can't think of them at the top of my head. Because I don't... I'm not going to lie. I don't really follow the man's career. But... I don't know. And it's funny because, you know, if the internet hadn't have done what the internet had did, and that was, you know, go on a complete bitch fest, I wouldn't have something to talk about to open this episode. Well, I would, but it wouldn't be about Batman. Which, yeah, I know. A horror podcast, and I'm talking about Batman. But bats apparently, according to the normal society, are creepy, and they're scary, and they carry rabies, and They're such bad animals. Bats also have been correlated to go with Dracula. Oh, hey, look at that. It comes full circle. (laughs) Because... Okay, let's just start this show. Coming to you, undead, from the Slimehouse Studio in Hellfire, Canada. It's the Next Level Network production of What What Lurks lurks Behind behind Podcast Podcast Zero. Zero. And I am your host, Postmortem Paul. Or Rantman. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Rantman actually has like a nice ring to it. And it rhymes with Ant-Man. Ant-Man. Hey! There you go. Um, Avengers. Woohoo! Uh, because Avengers has passed Avatar. For the second all-time grossing film in the theaters. Woohoo! Suck it, Avatar. No. Um... But yes, this is episode 44, and as I said, it comes full circle, because I started talking about bats, and now we're going to talk about Dracula, or, well, maybe not so much Dracula, but his dog. (laughs) Yes, I'm not kidding. There is a movie, and it is this week's movie review of the week. From 1978, well, kind of 77, but 1978, Dracula's Dog. See how I did that? See, it was pretty clever of me. I know. I'm not clever. I'm an undead idiot. But, anyways, before we get into the movie review of the week, there's just a few things I want to touch up on that aren't Batman. First off, see shit like this boils my blood because okay do we all remember slender man most of us don't because most of us didn't see the movie or we did and we said well that was a steaming pile of shit but now another creepypasta is getting its own film the momo challenge seriously people the momo challenge is getting its own movie I mean, first off, the whole Momo Challenge thing was some, like, fake news thing that had everyone believing, Oh my god, my kid's gonna kill himself over the Momo Challenge. Yeah, okay, whatever. Seriously, it was what? A few parents decided they wanted their 15 minutes of fame, so they went on Fox News, of all fucking media sources, and said that, Oh, my kid was watching a YouTube video, and a Momo Challenge came on and told him to kill me! Might actually help us if you were killed but oh did i just say that yes i did this is by the way you know this is my podcast and i like to say controversial things sometimes um you know what's really controversial okay even worse than the momo challenge so the saw series is getting remade By Chris Rock. Yes, because horror being remade by comedians works so well. Alien Covenant, anyone? Uh, Danny McBride. Oh, he's so funny. He's so great. Yes, and he gave us the shittiest alien movie we've gotten in the series. I don't know. Anyway. Yes. Momo Challenge and Saw. Two things that I was like, are you fucking kidding me? But let's talk about something a little bit happier, okay? Because not everything that I see in the horror genre makes me want to rant. I watched a few movies this past week. Two out of three, not so bad. Um, the third one, whatever. And the third one, actually, the one that kind of disappointed me was the one that I should have been the happiest about, but no, not good. Not good at all. Um... So, anyways, first off, I watched the movie You Might Be the Killer. Uh, Allison Hannigan from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She's Willow. Or that other show. What was that other show? Uh, Something about my mother. I don't know. Anyways, whatever. Um, (laughs) Anyways, she's in it. And uh, it was an interesting concept. It was kind of like... The way I I, kind of took the film was it was like Scream meets the mask remember the movie the mask with jim carrey yeah i don't know it was big at the time right i don't really care about it now but whatever it was big when it came out anyways it's kind of like scream meets the mask but set in a friday the 13th like environment and i don't know it was actually kind of interesting it was kind of fun um i think the ending's a little bit of a letdown but overall the movie was kind of fun has a cool soundtrack and whatnot and I thought that movie was good. And then another movie I watched that actually caught my interest and I didn't think it would. Um, Okay, so, you know, Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs. uh, Week 7, I believe it was. He uh, featured the movie A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Which supposedly is the first Iranian horror film filmed in the United States. But anyways, it's the first Iranian horror film actually not too bad i mean you know a vampire that you know rides a skateboard okay well hey it was kind of interesting it had a cool concept i liked the music i like the fact that it was filmed in black and white it wasn't that bad you know it's put out by spectre uh, was it spectra vision uh which is the company the production company that elijah wood is behind so it was pretty cool um it wasn't bad I think I probably enjoyed it a little bit more because of Joe Bob's commentary, but you know, the movie wasn't bad though. Between that and You Might Be the Killer, it was two good movies I watched, I was pretty impressed, but then I also watched Death House on Netflix, and I can see now why it's Netflix that picked it up and not, you know, a better streaming service like Shudder. Death House, what, what did they subtitle it as, like the expendables of horror films? Please, this movie is shit. I mean, with the exception of like one really cool scene where they had like these bloody like zombie-like creatures, I, the movie made no sense. I had no fucking clue what was going on. Why Why would you have a shower scene with a male cop and a female cop showering next to each other? what so they can have a conversation of exposition and what? Like nothing. Like, I don't know, it seemed like it was just a forced scene to have, like, oh, our female lead is going to have a nude scene as well. Like, I don't know. I felt bad for Kane Hodder because it seemed like he actually, like, brought something to this film. He was trying. But then you got someone like Bill Moseley, who, like, is someone I absolutely adore in most movies. And he just, no, he was just reading his fucking lines. Barbara Crampton's in the movie, and she's talking not to anyone. She's kind of looking, like, out into space, almost like she's reading a teleprompter or something. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I take movies a little too seriously. No, I really don't, but um, not a good movie. Really not a good movie. Of course, then, I say that, And then I'm going to spend the rest of this episode talking about a movie that most people would think is not a good movie. Dracula's Dog, a.k.a. Zoltan, Hound of Dracula. You realize that I'm doing this because it's about a dog. I love dogs. Dogs rule. Dogs make the world turn. They make the world a better place. Can't say the same for the human race. But hey, whatever. Yeah, so... eh. I spent more time in this opening ranting about shit than I did actually, you know, being happy. You know, I should be happy, right? I'm doing a podcast about horror movies. I love horror movies. Why do I bitch about them so much? Oh, wait, because I'm part of the internet generation. No. Um, okay, enough of my snide comments. What do you say I just dropped the trailer and then we talk about this movie? Because if I keep talking about anything else, I'm just going to sound like a grumpy old man. Not that that's really far from the truth, but hey, it is what it is. No, um, yeah, okay, so I've ranted about Batman, Bantman, uh, Rantman, uh, Antman, um, yeah, okay. (laughs) Every episode, my tongue gets tied at least once. Um. Yes. Yeah. So I've ranted about Batman, I've ranted about the Momo Challenge, and Saw, and Death House. I think I've ranted about enough things. Please though, Lurker's recommendation, watch You Might Be the Killer or A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. I think you'll like both films. Now keep in mind, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night is an art house film. So you have to also go into this film with the right mindset. Like it, it's an artsy fartsy kind of movie and whatnot. It does some weird shit, but... All in all, it's got a cool concept and I like the fact that they tried to do it in a different light. They try It's not just a typical vampire movie. There's some cool shit in it. So, but like I said, go into it with the right mindset. But okay. Let's just can all that now. And trailer drop and then when we return from the trailer We'll talk about a movie about Dracula and man's best friend, Dracula's dog, aka Zoltan, Hound of Dracula. Which actually, it's kind of interesting when I was, you know, trying to. You know how I do, like, you know, all my promotional imagery on, you know, social media and whatnot. And trying to find, like, actually where it said Dracula's dog was a bit of a challenge at first because most releases called it Zoltan Hound of Dracula. But anyways, back in a moment.
0: Right now, Michael Drake hasn't a care in the world. He's off on a camping holiday in California with his wife and two children, plus two dogs and a litter of puppies. What Drake doesn't know is that there are skeletons in his family closet and the bones are about to start rattling with a vengeance. You see, his name isn't really Drake. In the old country, it's pronounced Dracula. I'll tell you one thing, if what you say is true, you're going to make a lot of money. Oh? No? Yeah, I'm going to sue all those people who've been making Dracula pictures without my permission. A very funny joke, Mr. Drake. But That is exactly the point. You are the only direct descendant. Don't forget, he wants your blood. <laughs> now summoned by the living dead they come in the night thirsting for human blood led by the most terrifying creature that ever walked the earth sultan hound of dracula what's that don't move A nice doggy, but before you pet it, take a good look. It might be a friend of Zoltan, hound of Dracula.
1: Ah, he's such a cute puppy, but don't pet him. Make sure before you do that he's not a friend of, of Zoltan, Zoltan, hound, hound of, Dracula. of Dracula. Which Zoltan actually doesn't belong to Dracula. I mean, I'll explain that in a bit, but I don't know why this was even called Dracula's Dog, because it's not Dracula's Dog, but I digress. I'll explain more later. Um, so Dracula's Dog, aka Zoltan, Hound of Dracula, was originally released, well, first release date was May 8th, 1977, in the the United Kingdom. In North America, it was June 1978, so most of the time when you look it up, it says it's a 1978 film, or on Rotten Tomatoes, for some reason, they say 1981, whatever, (laughs) Rotten fucking Tomatoes, but anyways, it, uh, yeah, it, it was very, it didn't have a wide theatrical release, unless maybe that's why Rotten Tomatoes says 1981, I don't know, couldn't find anything on that, so, but yeah. June 78 in North America, anyways, whatever, uh, released on DVD by Anchor Bay in 2002, and it had multiple VHS releases throughout the 80s, and actually, it was kind of uh, interesting that just the night before I was about to record this, so last night, obviously, but whatever, uh, (laughs) sometimes I wonder, like, what goes on in my own head, I don't even understand it, but... Uh, The distributor Kino Lorber, or is it Kino Lorber? I don't know. Anyways, they've announced that they will be releasing Dracula's Dog this coming October, October 2019, on DVD and Blu-ray, which, thank God, because currently I only have a digital release of this. I don't have it physically, and I want it physically, uh, which, after I talk about this movie, you'll be like, why? Why? Would you want this movie? But I do. The movie was directed by Albert Band, and if that sounds familiar to any of you, he was the father of Charles Band, and he helped Charles create Empire Pictures and you know, Full Moon Pictures and that whole that whole strew of films there, and he was also the father to Richard Band who was a composer on many films. Uh, some of which include From Beyond and Reanimator, and Reanimator has one of the most kicking theme songs ever. So that's pretty cool. Um, the movie, like the screenplay itself, was written by F- uh, Frank Ray Pirelli or Pirelli. It's not Pirelli; it's Pirelli. And yeah, it was um, adapted from a novel. Actually, I think the novel had more success after the movie came out, but. Uh, produced by Albert Band, Philip Collins, and Frank Gray Perilli. There, I said it right this time. Uh, makeup and special effects. So this was interesting because, okay, so uh, makeup was done by Zoltan Elic, which it was kind of interesting that the film is, you know, about the dog Zoltan, and their special effects guy was Zoltan. But he did more of the makeup part. The special effects, though, were done by none other than Stan Winston. Uh, This was actually Stan's second film doing special effects. His first film was W.C. Fields and Me in 1976, which was a film that starred uh, people like Rod Steiger, John Marley, Jack Cassidy, and Bernadette Peters. That's actually his very first uh, special effects film. But yes, this was the second one. And obviously we all know Stan Winston went on to, you know, do great things like Aliens and Pumpkinhead and whatnot. The music for this film, which it was hard to get some musical track to put to this because the soundtrack was never released, but the music is done by Andrew Belling, which actually he's primarily known for the work he's done on a lot of children's programming, uh, a lot of Disney shorts and whatnot uh to his credit this is basically the only horror project project why can't i fucking talk today this was basically his only horror project that he uh, lent his talents to uh yeah like he he's known for a lot of disney stuff a couple of video game soundtracks and whatnot but um yeah that's that because I have to actually correct myself on something before I go further into this, so last week, when I announced that you know this would be the movie of the week for this week, I said it was a hammer film. I'm wrong about that. this is not a hammer film, which is uh it was something that I was completely mistaken about. I always thought it was a hammer film it never i never dawned on me that it wasn't, so I wanted to clear that up before I go on to the cast. Our starring cast for Zoltan, Hound of Dracula. Dracula, you ever notice, like in vampire movies, like everyone always has to have their little spin on how they say Dracula. It's never just Dracula, but anyways, whatever. So our main hero of this film, well, actually the hero is the dog, but anyways, that's a, that's another story. Uh, Michael Pataki, he plays uh, Michael Drake. Slash Count Dracula. He does Count Dracula like in the the flashbacks of the film, and he is Michael Drake in in you know present day. Present day being like 1977, but whatever. Um, primarily a character actor though. He's not he's not really known for doing lead roles, but you'd probably know him from Halloween Four, um, Graduation Day. And of course, I had to save the best for last, he's uh, Nikolai Kolov in Rocky IV. He was that Russian politician who, you know, vows that even Drago is like the most perfect athlete in the world. And At the very end of Rocky IV, he's the one that runs up to Drago and he's like, You can beat him, you idiot! And then Drago stands up and he's like, I fight for me. Yeah. Um, Anyways, he's, he's that Russian politician guy, which is kind of funny because in this movie, he speaks perfectly clear English. He's not as Russian as you would think he is. Moving on to his wife, Jan Shutan. She plays the character of Marla Drake. Again, another character actor. As a matter of fact, almost everybody in this movie was actually a character actor. None of them were really known to be leads. Um, but anyways, she uh, she did a lot of TV shows. Uh, she was most famous for a role she did in Star Trek. And she was also in shows like Dick Tracy, Night Gallery, uh, The Andy Griffith Show, The Outer Limits, Charlie's Angels, and those were the ones that I kind of picked out as like oh I've seen that I've seen that I've seen that you know I hadn't seen all of her work but yeah uh Reggie Nalder as Viet Schmitt or Smith and apparently it's Veet Smith but the whole movie they call him Schmeet uh, <laughs> so he has an uncredited role that is actually a pretty big role in the horror genre uh, he was Kurt Barlow The vampire in Stephen King's Salem's Lot from 1979. He played that role. Um, Of course, with all the makeup on and stuff, you couldn't tell. But yeah, that was him. He's also, again, a lot of TV appearances. He was in shows like Peter Gunn, Thriller, The Man from U.N.C.L.E., Star Trek. I noticed a lot of these actors came from Star Trek. Um, He was also in the Hardy Boys' Nancy Drew Mysteries and Battlestar Galactica. Then you have your famous inspector in the film, Inspector Bronco. He's played by Jose Ferrer. Uh, Jose Ferrer started acting way back in 1948. He has uh, 120 acting credits to his name, including uh, multiple TV shows and films. Uh, One of the films being listed was David Lynch's Dune, uh, which starred Sting, Sean Young, Patrick Stewart, Kyle MacLachlan, Virginia Madsen, uh, he he's in that as well. So the two kids, the two kids in the film, uh, both of them didn't have many acting credits. It, it seems like this might be like their big major role and kind of dropped off the face of the earth. Not literally, I think both are still alive, but uh, Linda Drake was played by Libby Chase and Steve Drake was played by John Levin, which actually when I saw the name John Levin in the credits, I thought it was actually a famous name, but I was wrong. And then there's this guy. He's a very minor role in the film, but when you see him, you know you've seen him before. His name is Simi Bow. He plays a fisherman in this movie, but you will most definitely know him from Beetlejuice. He was the janitor in the afterlife when, you know, Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin go to the afterlife and they're supposed to meet up with their caseworker and there's that janitor. Well, he was the janitor. He's also in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. He was the guy who uh, started that whole story in the diner about large merge. It was the worst night of my life, or whatever the fuck he says. I don't know. I should have written it down, but I didn't. Uh, <laughs> but it, he's that guy. And when I was watching Dracula's Dog, I'm like, And I remember, like, I saw Dracula's Dog. I should, I should preface this a bit. the The first time I ever saw Dracula's Dog was I might have been. I was in my teens, maybe 13, 14, whatever. It was on like Channel 20 Detroit, afternoon double chiller thriller on a Saturday afternoon. I think I already said that, but whatever. Um and I I just remember like because there was a dog in it, I was like, "Ooh, I'll watch this," you know. And it was like a vicious dog and you know, it it's kind of interesting cuz the dogs in this film are actually really good um, can't find their names anywhere, I looked to find, there's like four major dog roles in the, in the film, and I couldn't find the names of the dogs that played, back then they didn't really credit dogs very often, so it's kind of a shame, but whatever, um, but yeah, like the first time I ever saw this was like, uh, you know, it was an afternoon double chiller thriller kind of thing, and it was cheesy, and I enjoyed it, and whatnot, and, That's how I came to find out about this movie, and back then I didn't recognize Simi Bo. but as I've gotten older throughout my years, and I mean, I got a digital copy of this film finally about a year ago. And I remember watching it and going, I know that fucking guy from somewhere. And when I looked it up, I was like, Oh fuck yeah, he was from fucking Beetlejuice and Pee Wee's Big Adventure. He was also in the movie The Sword and the Sorcerer, which I haven't seen that, and it's been a dog's age. And I say that all intent, all intents and purposes for the podcast. But um, I haven't. I saw The Sword and the Sorcerer. I that was during my days when I was growing up you know mid mid 80s watching he-man because i remember it was like all like you know swords and sorcerers and wow that that sounded kind of stupid but whatever um yeah i was into that whole like you know sorcery and all that sort of shit because of he-man right and i remember seeing the sword and the sorcerer back then it's been a long time since i've seen it probably should go back and watch it again but yeah he was in that anyways That's enough of the actors, because the rest of them, honestly, like, you look at the credits for this movie, it's kind of funny. It's like, this person played a camper. This person played a camper. This person played a fisherman. This person played a cop. Like, nobody had names in this fucking movie. So, anyways, whatever. Moving on to the synopsis of the film. So, when the Russian army unearths the vault of Dracula, they accidentally unleash his undead human slave, and the Count's beloved hellhound, Zoltan. But these fiends need a new master and head for Los Angeles to find Dracula's last living descendant, family man Michael Drake. Now that's interesting. How is he the last living descendant, but he's a family man? And he has a son. Hmm, interesting. Anyways, moving on. Now with the help of an international vampire hunter, is that what we're calling him? Anyways... Can Drake destroy Zoltan and his pack of blood-crazed devil dogs before man's best friend can fetch the final soul of the damned? Um, that synopsis makes this movie sound really fucking cool. Uh, Quite a few people would disagree with that. <laughs> so when this movie was originally released theatrically in the UK um the BBFC which i guess is kind of like their MPAA or whatever uh made cuts to secure an X rating um okay most most you know most like factions like that want to secure an R rating so it can get like mainstream release these guys were going for X okay whatever all cuts were waived in 1987 though when the film was granted an 18 certificate for home video and I do believe that it was 1987 was when the movie premiered on VHS. I think that was when it got its first printing on VHS uh, release. And so I, I wrote a bunch of notes again this week like while I was watching the movie. And one of the funniest things about this film... Okay, and keep in mind, like in in modern day times, like we seem like we're okay with like putting the actual language that people speak with subtitles, you know, and, and subtitles are becoming more common e- even in English speaking movies because there's always that one character that's you know Japanese or Russian or Polish or African or well, Africans speak English, whatever. Um, I don't know what I'm talking about here, but like Italian, there you go. There's another language that you know you need subtitles for. Or, you know, you get these movies that, you know, where George Lucas creates his own fucking language. But, anyways, one minute into this movie, and you've already established that Russians speak perfect, fluent English. It's fucking hilarious, because, like, the Russians, you know, they're they're doing their excavating and whatnot, and they're all talking in perfect English. It's like, hmm, okay. So they don't speak Russian in Russia. Okay. And... The part that it, it's kind of funny because, like, when they wake, you know, uh, Zoltan and his actual owner, who is Viet um So, Zoltan wakes up looking healthy as ever. Like, you know, nice, he's got a nice, clean fur, nice, soft coat you know he's got like perky eyes and you know a nice like soft pink tongue and whatnot and you know he wakes up and he kills the guard and he's licking his chops dripping with blood and then of course that's when the title card blasts on the screen zoltan hound of dracula um, at least like the version i have but here's the funny thing then they wake viet schmidt and so the whole point of viet schmidt is that he's like Dracula's servant, but like he's like half vampire. He's not full vampire. He's like he's kind of like Blade. He's half vampire, uh, half vampire, half vampire, half human or damn fear as they call them. And here's the thing, though: he wakes up and he looks like death Warned over. Like he looks fucking horrible. Like his face is all veiny and shit like that. And I'm like, okay, so the dog. You know, they pull the stake out of the dog. They revive the dog, whatever. He looks perfectly fine. He looks like he's ready to go run a marathon. And yet, Viet Schmidt, they wake him up, and he looks worse than any vampire you could possibly imagine. And so the Dracula in this film, played by Michael Pataki, when we see in the flashbacks, Zoltan apparently, when he was bit by the, the, the bat that turned him into a vampire dog, it was Count Igor Dracula, so Igor is now a vampire. Is that Igor was like Frankenstein's like you know little sidekick, but apparently in this film he's a Dracul he's a Dracul, he's a Dracula. Okay, whatever. Um, and they, they do that kind of cool like with flashbacks and whatnot, you know, giving the whole backstory of showing how Zoltan was bit by Dracula because he was protecting the servant servant um (laughs) if that makes sense so i believe what the fuck was her name i want to say it was Catherine something anyway she played like this like servant I, i i i took it that she was like the servant's wife but apparently when you look at the credits, she was like the servant to the servant so whatever um but Zoltan was trying to protect her from Dracula, which I might add, in that flashback, Michael Pataki is probably the most bumbling of Draculas I've ever fucking seen. Like, you know, like Dracula, like they always portray him in the films like that. he's suave and he's quiet. He, you know, he almost like moves like a ninja. Like nobody knows he's there. And this Dracula, on the other hand, is in the room. The girl's laying in the bed. She's sleeping and she wakes up. The dog knows he's there. It's like, wow, you fucking suck at your job, buddy. Um... And all all the while, while this is going on, there's the music playing in the film by Andrew Belling, which I have to say, the music in this film is really catchy. Like it it's got a cool beat and whatnot, but its downfall is that it really contradicts a lot of the tension in the film. It does not suit this film. It's kinda of like Lucio Falci's zombie. If you've ever heard the Zombie Flesh Eater soundtrack, all the music, there's eight tracks on the soundtrack. Seven of them fit the movie perfect. They're like creepy. They got their, you know, they got the tension building feeling and whatnot. And then there's like this Hawaiian song that like just kicks in. And obviously it's a part in the film when like they're all on the boat and they're traveling out to, you know, go to the island and whatnot. That's for another movie, another episode. But there's that one track that just doesn't like fit. It, it, and that's the thing with italian movies like uh, phenomena is a perfect example of that like phenomena it's like you know it's supposed to be scary and creepy and an iron maiden kicks in and like the music never fits with what's going on like on the screen and this movie is no exception to that again like the music's catchy it 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 sounds really good like andrew belling put together a nice score but not for this movie <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it feels too happy for the premise of the film. That said, there is a few a few uh, musical tomes that have a more somber feel to them and whatnot. But overall, like, it just seems like the placement of the music does not fit with what's going on on the screen. And uh, moving on, though, uh, I thought this was, like, kind of a cool throwback to you know films of dracula whatnot uh when zoltan is being tra like when he's being transported to the u.s because they have to go to los angeles to find michael drake um so they ship him in a box by boat which if you think about it like especially in the 92 dracula you know when they had that dracula uh, with gary oldman of course um when they had dracula was traveling from transylvania to england he was in a boat in, you know, in a box and whatnot, and they kind of did that with Zoltan, and I thought that was kind of cool. It, it, it was like a nice little throwback to the, you know, the whole idea of Dracula traveling from Transylvania to England, which he didn't actually do in the original book. That was more something that came along with the play and then, you know, subsequent films and whatnot. But, anyways, moving on. Oh, and I, I have to say, like, it, this is one of the most discouraging things about this movie especially if you're a dog owner is that Michael Drake's character played by Michael Pataki, Michael and Michael go figure. It must've been real hard for him to remember who he was in the movie, but anyway, he's, he's apparently a dumb shit owner because like, I mean so many times his dogs are barking and he's busy telling them to lay down and shut up instead of realizing they're trying to alarm him of danger outside or danger approaching and whatnot. Like, which is what normally a dog will do. Like, like when, when Wally was around, Wally didn't bark often, but he did like someone knocked on the door. He barked. Or if, you know, if something seemed off, that's when Wally was barking. Or if we were outside and it was late night and it's dark outside and there's, let's say, a rabbit or a skunk approaching, you know, Wally goes on guard and is like, hey, what's that over there? That's what a dog is doing. A dog is like talking to its owner through its body language saying, hey, something's not right here. And this guy is Fucking stupid. Um, like, it, it, it's a detracting point of the film in how stupid of, as I call him, a dog parent he is. Like, he really can't read what his dogs are trying to tell him. And this happens several times in the movie. And it's just... It, it's it's hard to watch, especially if you're a dog owner. I mean, if you're not an animal owner and you don't... Under, it's I would only want to say it's not that you don't understand it, because you do, but... It's just you're just the whole movie you're like screaming at the TV going dumbass your dogs are fucking telling you something's not right will you wake the fuck up already, um, and like okay when at the one point when Zoltan like attacks Michael like you know like he Michael's outside and the dog is like kind of like attacking him and. You know, he he's talking about, like, you know, because Samson was chasing something. Samson, by the way, okay, so I should explain this. The family have two German Shepherd dogs, Samson and Annie. And Samson, at one point, you know, is trying to defend Michael, and Michael gets attacked by Zoltan, and he refers to Zoltan as a wolf. Here's the problem I have with that. Zoltan is a Doberman. Dobermans don't look like wolves. Do you know your fucking breeds already, bud? Like... You have two dogs. You would think that... And most dog owners, not all, but most dog owners, when they have a dog, they know multiple breeds. Because they researched into what kind of a dog they were going to get. And what would be... Especially, like, if you have a family, you want family dogs. Um, not everyone does that, I understand. There's a lot of dumb, you know, animal owners out there. But most of... I'd like to say a, a more than half you know know what they're doing when it comes to animals um oh and, and then there's the <laughs> there's the part and you know you, you almost you got to keep in mind these dogs were well trained they knew what they were doing it, from when you're watching this film you can tell no dogs were harmed in making this film obviously whatever but there's the scene where like the zoltan like kills the little puppy because the annie and samson have had a pu- uh, you know a litter of pups and they bring the pups with them when they go camping because they don't want to leave them behind, obviously. So there's the one little puppy that strays off because, you know, apparently like Michael thinks nothing of just putting the dog down and not watching where it's fucking going. But anyways, dog strays off, little puppy strays off, whatever. And Zoltan gets to him and he kills him. And, you know, it, it's kind of a sad moment. And they bury the puppy. They have a little funeral ritual for the dog. And But you don't have to worry about that because puppy rises again like it's 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 fucking funny like i i laugh at this shit because like here's this little tiny pup like crawling out of the dirt i don't know it's kind of funny um in terms of because obviously i mentioned stan winston you know being a part of this film there's not a lot of gore in this film but there is some and there's a really cool bloody scene when there's like this mysterious camper which apparently veach smith Feels that this guy is a threat. He's a fucking camper. Like I, I don't understand. And he looks like a William Cat knockoff. Which, if you know who William Cat is, you know Greatest American Hero, um, uh, or uh, uh, Prom Night. He was in Prom Night. Um, but anyways, that guy. You know, uh, <laughs> this dude, this camper looks like a complete knockoff of him. Anyways, we have no clue who he is. He's just you know camping in the woods or whatever. And Viet Schmidt feels like he'll be a threat, so he sends. He sends Zoltan off to kill the guy, and when he's getting mauled, and he's you know uh, Zoltan's like you know attacking him and cutting him, and he for some reason he's biting at his face, but the cuts on his face look like they're like knife cuts, but whatever. There's one really cool scene though where like you know Zoltan gets into his leg and he's like kind of chomping on it and whatnot. The the gore looks pretty cool in that. You can tell this was obviously you know one of Stan Winston's earlier films. Obviously he hadn't fully reached his potential yet but there there's something good there it it, it, it was like i say there's not a lot of gore in this movie but there's some as you heard in the trailer now this was another thing that kind of make it, i love watching this movie for the laughter i get from it because so <laughs> when the dogs especially zoltan but like especially when he's uh, or especially when he has like you know turned the dogs to be, you know, devil hounds or whatever. Here's my thing. Why is it when the dogs are barking, they sound like they're, like, screaming like elephants? Or it's like this, like, it's almost like like Smeagol getting, like, his nuts grabbed and ripped off of his fucking body if Smeagol had nuts. But anyways, it's like this weird screeching noise, like vultures or something. And I don't understand, like, I... Ugh. The sound effects, you know, it's not, I, granted, they're supposed to be devil dogs, I guess they're supposed to sound different or whatnot, but like, wouldn't this alarm anybody? Wouldn't they be thinking like, you know, there's something seriously wrong with these dogs. But then again, we have, like I say, the same owner who decides at one point after he's done being attacked by dogs, he says, well, vacation's over and we're just going to leave the dogs behind. Who the fuck does that? Excuse me, but what? Like, I'm sorry, if I went camping and Wally strayed away, the last thing I'm doing is leaving without my dog. Like, I I don't know. Um, And then speaking of sound effects, though, like, Viet Schmidt, obviously I'm spoiling a lot here, so you know eventually he will die. His death rattle is fucking hilarious. Like, again, sounds like a squealing vulture or, you know, some, like, social media twit bomb screaming about some social injustice they went through at a Dairy Queen. Like... It's like, it's like that's that's a fucking death rattle. Like really, like, like I don't know. And even, you know what? Better better stated, the hounds of hell. Like they obviously, in in most cases, they don't sound like dogs at all. Like they they sound like like the Avengers, like this more modern version of Hulk. They sound like like what he sounds like in like the first Avengers when he's screaming, he wants to smash more. But then it's like mixed in with like guinea pigs being burned at the stake. Like seriously, it's and I know I'm being a little creative here with my descriptions, but the sound is just not worldly. Like it's not it's not I don't want to I'm going to use the wrong term, but it's not human like but it's not supposed to be human. But you get what I'm saying. Like it's just it does not sound right. And this doesn't seem to alarm anybody like I don't know. And I will say this, though. There is one scene. There is one scene that actually really does, like, actually get to me, and it breaks my heart. And I have to give Michael Pataki credit for his acting in this part, because, I mean, in a lot of ways, his acting is very bland. But there is the one scene when he has to stake, like, you know, wooden stake, of course. uh, (laughs) Because I have to explain that for a movie about vampires. But, anyways, when he has to stake his possessed version of Samson and he has to kill him. Okay, he sells that pretty good. Like my heart sinks. Like I'm just like, "Oh, I, I couldn't do that myself. Like, man, you got you got to have some fucking nerves of steel to kill your own dog with a wooden stake." So, um All in all, I mean, and and then it, The best part of the movie, in in my opinion, the part that just makes me go, okay, this was fucking worth it, is at the very end when Inspector Bronco is telling Michael Drake, you can go home now, Mr. Drake. You know, that was the last of them. You killed all the dogs. The dogs are dead. And then we see that little puppy. Remember the little puppy I was talking about that rose from the grave? And... He's now a hound of hell in puppy form and he like turns around and at first his face looks all cute and then he like goes, and he's got like these fucking glowing eyes and shit, which the glowing eyes, I didn't even mention that. So all the dogs that are possessed apparently have these glowing eyes. I will give this movie credit. The glowing eyes are fucking creepy. The movie itself is not scary. It's not creepy at all, but... The eyes on the dogs are actually fucking creepy. It's it, it. final thoughts on this. Good cinematography, yes. Um, the special effects. Uh, we see Stan Winston's earlier work. Um, you don't see it a whole lot, but you get to see you know some of his earlier stuff. And obviously, as years went on, I mean, we saw shit in Aliens and Pumpkinhead and and so many other films that I'm not thinking of at this fucking moment right now, but. We saw, like, what he became. He He's one of the greats. Unfortunately, we don't get to see a whole lot of that in this. Um, the dogs, uh, again, I, I felt like it was almost a disservice not to be able to know their real names. The dogs are great in this movie. Um, they're... I know some people say that you know Dobermans are kind of like scary looking and whatnot. I think they're adorable. I think the dogs are so adorable in this movie. The German Shepherds, the I, I just I, I I know I have a soft spot for dogs, but the dogs are as good as they can be. The music is awesome, just doesn't fit with the movie. <laughs> um, the story itself is kind of weak. Um, oh, and the whole idea of Drake you know, being, like, the short form of Dracula and whatnot, I don't know, it reminded me of Blade Trinity a lot, like, when I'm watching this, I I keep thinking of uh, Blade Trinity, you know, because, like, as much as I like Dominic Purcell as an actor and all, like, Blade Trinity and him being known as Drake, and, I mean, that movie was just, it was not what it could have been, and that, it's it's a shame, because, the first two Blade movies were amazing, and then the third one came along as my err, and not to mention you had Blade fighting off against Dracula, which okay, yes, in essence should be great, but not the way they did it. Um, but I'm talking about the wrong movie here. We're talking about Dracula's fucking dog. Uh, <laughs> the dialogue in this movie is bland, and it's a lot of exposition at some points where it's like, okay, like we know what this is about. Like you don't have to keep fucking pounding it in our heads and whatnot. The family themselves are quite bland. Um, oh, it, it, It's almost like, you know, Pet Cemetery from 1989. As great as a fucking movie that is, the family themselves were kind of me. They're boring. Um, same with this. Reggie Nalder, though, as Schmidt. Um One thing I have to say about this guy he's the king of duck lips. Um, every. Fucking close-up of him. And there's tons of them. Like, they have, like, this thing. Like, when he's, like, supposedly contacting to Zoltan through his mind. They have to close up in on his face. And he's got fucking duck lips. It's like he's giving morons on Snapchat a run for their money. Like, seriously. And because I can't stand that whole duck lips thing, it drives me nuts. But, eh, whatever. It, the movie was not an Oscar winner. It's yeah, It was never meant to be... I I honestly can say, like, I don't think when they went into this movie, they expected people would take it very seriously. I mean, we're talking about Dracula's fucking dog, which is even it, as I said, it's not Dracula's dog. The dog belongs to Viet Schmidt, who was the servant to Dracula. So technically, it's not Dracula's dog. It's his fucking servant's dog. Um, but hey, I'll be honest with you. Why do I love this movie so much? I love it for the dogs. The dogs are the highlight of the film. If you're a dog lover and you want to see a horror movie with a dog in it, you watch it for this. I mean, obviously there's better ones than this. Cujo obviously stands out on top. But Or if you've ever seen it, Rottweiler. I fucking love that movie. But um, I don't know. IMDb gives this movie a 4.3 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes has it at 17% rotten. Fuck you, Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, My vote for it? Okay, so IMDB, I'll admit, probably pretty accurate, but my vote for it, I give it a 5 out of 10. However, I feel like Dumbledore when he's like, Slytherin wins, but hey, hold on a minute. We're going to give all these extra points to Harry Potter's team so that he fucking wins. Anyways, for me, the dog factor brings it up one more notch. It's a 6 out of 10. It should be a 5 out of 10, but it's a 6 out of 10 because fuck you, this one's for the dogs. Um, I really have nothing else to say on this. That's it, folks. Uh, that it, That's it. Um, I, I'm not gonna lie. i not going to lie. I do recommend people see this movie, if anything, for the dogs. If you're a dog lover, watch it. Um, it's, I, it it's definitely not the worst film I've ever seen, but... It, yeah you get you keep in mind you go into this movie um much like I said, like with a girl walks home alone at night you you have to go in with the right mindset you have to understand what you're getting here you're getting a movie that is supposed to be about an immortal dog that is going after this family because they're trying to bring home the last living descent of Dracula, which like I said, he's not the last living descent descent descend, descendant um. Because he's got two kids, and one is a boy, um, so you know there is another Dracul in the fucking family tree. But, anyways, that's that. Thank you so much for listening this week. Um, again, like I say, uh, Kino Lorber—I think I'm pronouncing that right. Anyways, uh, the the distribution company will be releasing this on Blu-ray in October 2019. So, hey, if, if you're interested in it. Check it out, man. Like I said, I give it a 6 out of 10. I say say at least check it out, man. So that's that. Now we'll just, uh, you know, we'll finish the show off as we always do. I'll tell you where you can find the podcast and, you know, about the network and whatnot. I'll also clue you in on the next episode and then... you can go back to your better lives because you know what? I, I got to stop saying that shit because I appreciate you guys listening to this show. So it, it's not better lives. I make your life better. Okay. Maybe not, but anyways, where to find the podcast. So obviously you can find it at its home, the next level network.com slash podcast zero. The next level network is home to so many podcasts, including this one. Uh, you can also find uh, What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero at WhatLurksBehindPodcastZero.com Behind mm, Gee, that's hard. <laughs> um, on the social medias, Facebook, Facebook.com slash what zero, Instagram at WhatLurksBehindPodcastZero zero, and Twitter, WLBPodcast underscore zero. And please, if you haven't yet, and You frequently use either iTunes, Google, or Spotify. Subscribe to the podcast. and That's basically it. Okay, so the next episode. Next episode is a movie I only recently discovered, I'd say, within the last couple months. And I finally saw it about two, three weeks ago. As a matter of fact, I got a copy of it at a thrift store me and my thrift stores. Oh man, yesterday made a killing at the thrift stores. But anyways, that's another story for another day. The next episode is a movie. It's a low-budget indie flick directed by Jack Mezitt, starring Rebecca Brands and Danielle Bonjour. The movie is called Midnight Movie. It's from 2008, and this was a surprise. I expected to see something really shitty and it was only half shitty no <laughs> um it's not a bad flick it's i mean granted i'll talk more about it next episode but it's really not that bad of a flick it's it's kind of decent so anyways that's that thank you for tuning in i'm out of here it's memorial day weekend in the states it's victoria day weekend here in canada i want to enjoy the last bit of my holiday so i'm going to go do that not gonna be doing much just watching more movies (laughs) because what else do i do with my fucking life but anyways thanks for tuning in and next episode midnight movie until then keep lurking guys
0: himself puts his arms around you and says welcome home. Desacralization put us in the mess that we find ourselves.